We're in Revelation chapter 12. He will declare war. Remember, we're not following chronological. chronological. We're just certain individual things are taking place. He declares war on God's plan, God's people, and the believers were encouraged when John wrote to them, was writing to them, says, you think you're going through problems with Nero and Domitian and these. God's got the ultimate victory for you. And it's a message for them and it's a message for all of us. When you see trouble and persecution and attacks and transgender movement and LCJB or what are they? LTCG or what? I don't know. I don't know those four letters. Anyway, I shouldn't. But when you see all this, take hope. Because God's got the ultimate victory. When we suffer, God says, be faithful. Be faithful. And so he declares war on all of us. Believers are said, in the midst of this, be encouraged that the victory is yours. And so chapter 12 is summarizing different characters. We said, follow along. Still by way of review. Um, Chapter 12, verse 1, we talked about first that the anti-Messiah is going to rise and declare war on God's people. Why? We said here, Israel was going to bring forth the Messiah. You know, why wouldn't the devil, his henchmen, declare war on God? That's his opponent. God's people, God's plan, God's purpose. So that's what we're seeing for a couple chapters. War. We know the victory. It's okay. Chapter 12, verse 1 says this. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman. We discussed it. A woman here is Israel. It's not Mary. It's not the body of Messiah. It's Israel. Sun and the moon, her 12, uh, the, the 12 stars, are uh, probably the, the 12 tribes of Israel. So, we saw a sign. The woman, Israel. What is going to happen with Israel? He's giving a history here lesson. These first five verses that you saw last week. Verse 2. She, the woman, was with child. All that's saying is Israel would bring forth the Messiah. And then it says, interesting, that we looked at, that she would cry out, being in labor and in pain to give birth. We're not sure, but Israel brought forth the Messiah in pain and in labor. Many times God allows his children to go through suffering and pains. He allowed Job. Don't ask me why. We'll see God. And when we see God, you know what you'll probably do? With all your questions, you'll look at him and go, oh, it'll all be answered. Just with a look. He'll teach us, but with a look, most of what you can think of right now will be answered. Israel would bring forth the Messiah in pain. And she did. Through Pharaoh, through the Assyrians, through the Babylonians. Through Haman, always be ready. Through uh, him, through anti, through persecutions. Why? And here's, I said last week, you have to understand, why is the world always against Israel? Why was the world always against Israel in the past? Today, in the tribulation. Why? These poor people, what have they done? Nothing. They're God's people. So Satan's war is against God and his people and his plan. His plan was to bring forth the Messiah, the patriarchs, the Bible, the prophets, and ultimately the Messiah, to, through the Jewish people, to bring hope for the world. So his war, all anti-Semitism, is through the devil. All personal flesh, whatever. The devil's behind almost all uh, that. So, in great pain, 
she would get, bring forth the Messiah, which she did. And throughout 2,000 years, we see the pain that Israel has gone through in every, every possible uh, corner. Isn't it amazing? I think C.S. Lewis said, it's amazing. The people who God called to bring forth the light to the world, the hope to the world, to bring forth the Messiah, that the whole world would turn against these people. He says it's, it's incredible. And the world does turn. And so we've seen the Crusades, the Inquisition, the pogroms. We've seen uh, the Arab uh, attack, Hitler, Muslim. Everyone's against Israel. Chapter two, uh, 12, verse, look at 12, 3. See, Satan attempts to destroy. I said last week, God would bring forth the Messiah through Israel. Therefore, Satan would attack Israel. Verse 3. Another side appeared in heaven. Behold, a great dragon. That we looked at as the devil. And he had seven horn, uh, heads, ten horns, and his <clears throat> heads were seven diadems. Satan and his henchmen. Revelation 12.4 we looked at last week. <clears throat> his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven. Could be, could be that he was fighting the enemies and destroyed a third, or probably his demons. He swept, convinced a third of the angels to follow him as well. And he stood before the woman who was about to give birth. Satan stood before Israel before she gave birth to the Messiah. And he was standing by the woman to destroy the woman and the baby. And it says, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her. And we looked a little bit about his history at that point. And then that, his desire was to destroy the woman and to destroy the Messiah. That's his purposes and plans. And he tried. But we saw God's answer. God delivered the Messiah and his people. So that's really by way of summary. Let's go to the... God, okay. So God's... Israel would bring forth the Messiah. Satan would try to destroy Israel and the Messiah. That's what chapter 12, first five verses is trying to tell us. Satan's eternal fight against him. But God would deliver the Messiah. And we said that, chapter 12, verse 5. Chapter 12, verse 5. Good. And even though Satan rises up and the anti-Messiah and the world rises up, she gave birth to a son. I love this phrase because it doesn't matter what the world tries. God is going to accomplish his will and his purpose. You can't fight against God. Now I say that like this. You can get angry at the Lord. You could feel hurt. You could have bitterness. Things went wrong in your life. And sometimes believers say, you know God, just because of that, I'm not going to serve you. There you have it. I'm not going to read your word. You suffer for that one. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to do work. God's will will always be done. You suffer loss. You can't fight against God. So though they tried to destroy Israel and they tried to destroy the Messiah, God says, a child's going to be born. doesn't matter who rises up, Babylon, Assyria, Rome, Herod. You can't stop the Lord, no matter what you try to do. So it says in verse 5, she gave birth to a son. And, uh, and we looked at, as it was prophesied in the Scripture, Micah 5.2 said, we'll be born in Bethlehem. Isaiah said, a son is going to be born. 
The scripture clearly tells us a son would be born. But not only that, it tells us about the son in verse uh, chapter 12, 5. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule the nations with a rod of iron. And we see that, not now, but in one of the Psalms, it says, the world says no to God. We don't want your Messiah. We don't want your anointed one. We don't want the son. And God says, sorry, he will reign. That's what Psalm 2 is really all about. And not only will this one born that you can't stop, you can fight against, he's going to be born, he's going to rule the world. That's, we look forward to that day. Because if you're a believer, you're going to rule the world with him. That's where we look. Not only that, but then the verse says in chapter, um, chapter 12, verse 5, and it says, the child will be caught up to God and to his throne. That's where we sort of left off, that God would deliver the child and he would be ascended to heaven. But remember, I was saying, Satan is against Israel. And he's against the Messiah. But God says the Messiah will be delivered. And then I said, Israel will also be delivered. You can't destroy our people. They could suffer. And we left there in chapter 12, verse 6. Chapter 12, verse 6. Last week. Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she had a place prepared by God, so that there uh, she'd be uh, that she would be nourished there for one thousand two hundred sixty days. Does anyone know how many days that how long that is? One thousand two hundred sixty days. You should all know how long. Good, very good. Three and a half years. I want to give you a very very brief overview here. Then I want to look at the back because this to me is really fascinating. What's going to take place? I will hit it from a different angle so, a, a few times. So don't worry if you miss it all. But sometime in the future in the tribulation period. The anti-Messiah is going to rule the world and he's going to form his headquarters in Megiddo. Up there in Megiddo. And it says between the Mediterranean, between the Dead Sea, uh, he's going to have his headquarters there. And somewhere around there, he's going to begin not the battle because many people think Armageddon is a battle. It's a campaign that lasts three and a half years. So somewhere in the middle of the tribulation, where we are in this book, is he's going to gather his troops there. He's going to fight, we're not going to go there right now, kings of the north. He's going to fight the kings of the south. He's going to fight the kings of the east. They're all going to come, and he's going to rally his troops there. And then his main purpose, he's going to leave from the north of Israel, in the Galilee, in uh, Megiddo, and he's going to come south to Jerusalem with a fury. And he's going to come to abolish and destroy and wage war against the Jewish people. And he's going to come to Jerusalem, and the Jewish people are going to flee from Jerusalem. Maybe not all of them, most of them. They're going to flee, and it says here into the wilderness. Well, the Bible seems to tell us where. They're going to flee to a little place in Edom called Petra, or some people say Basra. Sometimes there's Basra, there's Petra, but sometimes they're used interchangeably. They're going to flee to a land in, uh, on the other side of the Jordan, and it's on the east side, south, in a place called Edom. They're going to flee there. And they're going to, it's going to be a place of safety. And the, the anti-Messiah is going to come down there, seeking out to kill them. And Messiah is coming back. People say, where is he coming back? I believe, I believe he's coming back to Petra, to Basra, to deliver the people. And there will be a bloodbath. And he will lead the people up to Jerusalem. And he will lead them up to the Mount of Olives. And the Mount of Olives will cleave. North, south, Great Valley, east and west. Jewish people left in Jerusalem will come out. Jewish people coming up from Petra will be with him. And Yeshua will reign 
In that area, he will judge the nations in what we call the Valley of Jehoshaphat, the Valley of the Kings, the Kidron Valley. And according to Matthew, he will judge the nations for the way they treated Israel. I gave you a summary. How many of you, raise your hand, are you totally confused? Good, good. Just a couple of you. Me too, but don't worry about it. Okay, so what I like you to do is, I gave you an overview. There's, There's three passages that I just love when I talk about his return and Petra. Jewish people, I just left off there. They're going to flee into the wilderness where God has got prepared for them. And they're going to be there. So look, look what happens. Look with me in the book of Micah chapter 2. A very interesting verse. God says this, I will surely assemble all of you, Jewish people, gather them. I believe, look up here, fleeing Jerusalem, going out to the wilderness, going down to Edom. And you will gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together like sheep in the fold. God gathers sheep in a sheepfold. The amazing thing here is, follow the verse. I will gather them like sheep in the fold. They will be a flock in the midst of the pasture. They will, uh, they will be noisy with men. The breaker goes up before them. They break out, pass through the gate. And go out by it so their king goes on before them and the Lord at their head. This is incredible. In this verse, look up here where it says, I will put them together like sheep in the fold. The word there is Basra, which I think is used interchangeably here at this point. There is another Basra, but I think it's talking about Petra. How many of you have ever been to Petra? Some of you with me, good. Others, right? When you get into Petra, it's incredible. It is a sheepfold. Narrow, narrow gate going in for about a half a mile. Then it opens up to about 22 square miles around the mountains. And if you look at it, it is a sheepfold. And God says, I'm going to gather you together in the sheepfold in Basra. That's a natural place of protection where he's going to protect them. I believe this is what he's talking about. When they flee out of Israel, they're going to go down to Basra where they will be delivered. And we see the account of the war actually. Look at me in Isaiah. There's two passages in Isaiah 34. God says, draw near, O nations, to hear, listen, O people, that the earth Let the earth and it contains here and the world and all that springs from it. For the Lord's indignation is against all the nations. I believe it's when Yeshua comes back to deliver our people. He's got his indignation against all the nations that are coming against his people. It's against all the nations and his wrath against all their armies. He will utterly destroy them. He has given them over to slaughter. So their slain will be thrown out and their corpses will give off the stench and the mountains will drench with blood. When you read that at first, it's a battle. We're not sure what's going on. We do say there's a battle. There's going to be blood. But is this God coming back to destroy the nations? I believe so. And it says in verse 4, And the, the Lord of hosts, the host of the host of heaven, will wear away, and the sky will be rolled up like a scroll. All their hosts will also wither away as a leaf withers from the vine, and as one withers from the fig tree. My sword is to be satiated in heaven. Behold, it shall descend for judgment upon Edom. That's where it is, in Basra, in Edom. And upon the people whom I have devoted to destruction. Verse 6, the same passage. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. 
The picture here is Israel has fled. The anti-Messianist troops are coming after them. Jewish people are in Petra. They're going to be destroyed. Yeshua comes back to save his people. It is sated with blood, the blood of lambs and goats and the fat of the kidneys of rams. And listen to the verse. For the Lord has a sacrifice where, everyone? In the sheepfold. He's delivering his people in Basra. And it says, And a great slaughter in the land of Edom. For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of recompense for the cause of Zion. The same passage, the same event takes place. Write it down. These three passages. Micah 2, Isaiah 34, and Isaiah 63. Follow this. Isaiah 63. The vision. Who is this who comes up from Edom? Now, I want you to be clear here. Isaiah 34 says there's going to be a bloodbath in Basra. Now the vision is, who's coming up from Edom? That's Basra. Who's coming up from Petra? Who is this? Who's leading them up? Isaiah 63. Who is coming up from Edom with garments glowing colors from Basra? This one who is majestic in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength. It is I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Why is your apparel red? And your garments like one who treads the wine press. God's judgment. Why are you red? Everyone, why? Blood. It's a bloodbath. It's going to take place for almost three and a half years, culminating in Petra. Why? One who treads the wine press. I have treading the wine trowel alone from the peoples. There, there was no man with me, and I trod them in my anger and trampled them. Their lifeblood sprinkled on my blood, uh, on my garments, and I strained all, uh, I stained all my raiment. For the day of vengeance was in my heart, and my year of redemption has come. I looked, and there was none to help, and I was astonished that there was no one to uphold. So my right arm, God's right arm. His Messiah, His anointed one, His King would bring salvation to God and my wrath is upheld. I trod down the peoples in my anger and made them drunk in my wrath and I poured out their lifeblood on the earth. You see, what I said last week is Israel would bring forth the Messiah. Satan's attack would be against Messiah and Israel. God would deliver Messiah from his birth. Herod wouldn't kill him. The people couldn't kill him. Satan couldn't kill him. And God would have him ascend to heaven. Then I said, God would also deliver his people. Now, this is a thousand years later in the tribulation period when the Jewish people go down to Petra and God delivers them there. And I believe that's what I said. He will bring them up from Petra to the Mount of Olives and his feet will set foot on the Mount of Olives, Zechariah. So, follow along. Believers will experience ultimate victory. That's what I said. First, Satan's attack on Israel in chapter 12. Second, Israel and God's people will have ultimate victory. Believers, listen. Those who serve God, those who walk with Him and obey Him and yield their lives to Him, you have the ultimate victory. Never give in to the temptation the world offers. You've got warnings all over Scripture. I love, we're not turning to Proverbs 1, don't be enticed by the world. Don't be enticed by the harlot. Don't be enticed by the wine. Don't be enticed by the pleasures of the world. They have nothing to offer you. Only God does. 
even when you're struggling. And so this section here now, we see that God is going to, uh, the believers will experience victory while they're called to be faithful in the midst of problems. The war in heaven. I, I like this, really. You know, I get excited in chapter 12 because now what you're going to see, everyone, is a war going on in heaven. If you're following me, seven years is tribulation. The middle of the tribulation, seven years, there's declared war in heaven by two antagonists who hate each other, that are at war with each other forever. This is Biff and Marty. Anyone? Biff and Marty. This is the Empire and the Republic. This is Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. Ultimate antagonists for their whole life. These are two people who are always enemies. This is Rocky and... What's that? I wasn't sure what you were going to do on that. Because Rocky had two opponents, pretty bad. But this is Rocky and Apollo. I know you want to throw in Mr. T. Now, this is Rocky and Apollo, the first two. That was the real battle. Two antagonists. This is what's going to happen in heaven. Two that have been at war with each other all the time. One stands for good, one stands for evil. Who else did I have here? Superman. And that's a good who? Lex Luthor. Or the guy from Krypton, whatever it is. The battle going on. Ah, you know who this is? This is Obi-Wan and Darth Vader. That fits in better. The eternal war going on. I think that's it. You probably have others. Yeah, this this is the war. Who's it between? God and Satan? Well, God's top angel by the name of Michael. And the other anointed cherub who turned Satan. Always at battle and odds with one another. And now in the tribulation period, it comes to a head. The final, final battle. The final war, actually, between them. We know there will be another. But we look, chapter 12, 7. And there was war in heaven. Everyone, well, just, I have to repeat it. Yeshua dies, 2,000 years, going on right now, Revelation 2 and 3. Then there will be the uh, rapture. Then there will be a time of confusion. Then there will be the signing of the covenant by the anti-Messiah. That will begin the tribulation period. First six, uh, three and a half years, probably the six uh, seals. Then the middle. The middle is the key here. It all breaks loose here. The war starts in the middle of the tribulation period. And so there was war in heaven. It appears in the middle of the tribulation. Chapter 12, verse 7. There was war. Michael and his angels with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war. The, the word angel there for, with the dragon is probably be his demons. Question is, a lot of people don't know who Michael is. Follow along with me. He's mentioned a few times in the scripture, Michael. Jude chapter, forget it, Jude verse 9. But Michael the archangel, Michael is a created being. Michael is an archangel, one of the top of all angels. And each angel has a special function. Michael has a special function throughout all of history. Aside from always fighting the devil, 
Michael has a special anointed position in heaven forever. Michael the archangel. Now, I'm not just, well, I'll read a verse. When he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses. has nothing to do with the story, but I'm just trying to show you. Michael and the devil always fought. When Moses died, apparently the devil wanted some control over where Moses was born or wanted something. Michael opposed him, and they fought over the body of uh, Moses, believe it or not, whatever the purpose might be. And then chapter 10, Daniel chapter 10, verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, now the princes behind the different kingdoms were angels and demons, and they were over nations. But all the nations and all the demons over all the nations between Babylon and Assyria and the Medes and the Persians and the Greeks and the Romans, they had a battle. All their demons were against who? Huh? Come on. All the nations are against Israel. But Israel's got to have someone representing them. Because all the other nations have people and demons representing them. So it says the prince of the kingdom of Persia was not was withstanding me for 21 days, whoever's speaking. And he says, then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes who came to help me, for I had been left there with the kings of Persia. The angels and demons were battling over who's going to control Israel. And it says, however, I will tell you what is inscribed in the writings of truth, yet there is no one who stands firmly with me against all these demons, all these forces, except he's our prince. Don't get me wrong. Yeshua is our prince and our savior. God is in control. But God's order is he has Michael guarding Israel. That's what his job is. Michael is the archangel. Michael is the chief, chief priest of Israel. Daniel chapter 12. Time of the tribulation period for us. It says, now at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people. Michael is an archangel created by God, always at war with Satan, and he's always, dist- uh, always protecting and watching over Israel. That's who Michael is in the scripture. And it says, he's guard over your people. He will rise and there will be a time of distress. And it describes the tribulation period. Michael versus Satan, the war in heaven. In the middle of the tribulation takes place here. Revelation 12, 8 and 9. And they were not strong enough. Isn't that, that's comforting, isn't it? Satan, the devil, the dragon, and his demons. We always see movies, which are not healthy for us, but we see how much power he has. But he only has the power that God allows him. Michael and his angels will win. It's, you know, sometimes people actually portray it like it's a contest. It's not a contest. There's no who might win. It's a given who's going to win. God wins. And God's people win. And God's angel wins. And God's saints win. And the believers win. And so they were not strong enough at this battle in heaven. Though they were declared war with one another. And there was not a place for them. The demons were cast out. Satan was cast out. Does anyone know when I'm talking about? When was he cast out? According to this passage. Anyone? Good. Middle of the tribulation, that's when it starts. That's when all the war breaks out. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old. Who is this dragon in heaven who's thrown down? Let me give you a quick, you might want to jot it down. Quick overview of Satan. I've said, one, he was a created being. He did not always exist. There's only 
one who always existed, the God. God in the presence of the, the Messiah, the Father and the Holy Spirit, always existed. When did the Messiah begin? Everyone, what's the answer? What was that? Always. Okay. Messiah didn't have a beginning. On earth, he was born. Before that, he always existed. So, I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, yeah. So, the demons, they weren't created demons. They became demons, but they were created and they rebelled against God. Then, when they rebelled against God, Satan came down to earth to rebel against God's people. And who was the first? What? A lovely lady. She got deceived. The apple was very red. Or the persimmon or whatever it was. We don't know. He deceived Eve. He deceived the world. And his followers deceived. He was created, came, and started deceiving the world. It was beginning with Eve. Years later, a thousand years later, the devil was defeated, folks. When was the devil defeated? When? The cross. It was over. When he died for our sins, that was his ultimate. I hear you. That was the defeat. Really, the defeat was when he was resurrected. But we'll say about that time. Death and resurrection. He was defeated ultimately. But God still allows him some freedom. For 2,000 years, he's had freedom. Then he will be cast out of heaven, as we're reading now. Middle of the tribulation period. Three and a half years, he's cast out of heaven. After these tribulation period, the Bible says God will take Satan, put him in a pit, and say, stay there for a thousand years. That's where he is. He's not in the lake of fire. He's in a pit for a thousand years. Not yet. In the tribulation period, metal bound into a pit for a thousand years. After the thousand years, God's going to release him. Actually let him go. The end of the millennial kingdom. It says for a short period. We don't know how long. But when he comes back, the end of the millennial kingdom, he deceives the world again for the great, great final battle at the end where he will be destroyed and he will be cast into a place called the lake of fire. Who is this dragon, this serpent of old who's deceived? Genesis chapter, it all goes back to Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, as God said, you shall not eat from any of the trees. And the woman said to the serpent, from the trees of the tree, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. Devil said to Eve, you mean you can't eat from any tree? And Eve said, no, of course. We can eat from any tree, except this one. We're not allowed to eat or touch. He didn't say you couldn't touch, but touching would have been bad. But anyway, but from the fruit of the trees, which is in the middle of the garden, Eve says, you shall not eat it or touch it. That's where she had. And you will die. And basically what this translation says is, God says, you will surely die. And Satan says, not. That's what he did. That's what he does. He takes God's truth and just says, not true. No. And so he convinced the weaker Eve and he deceived her. And then her husband, we're not going to say too much about him. He followed in her footsteps and he ate as well. The dragon, 12.9. And it says, the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who was called the devil and Satan. Now, some people have said, well, Satan is brought out in the new covenant. It's not in the old. He's in the old too. Job chapter 1 and 2 says Satan was uh, working there. 
Another passage where Satan deceived David, it says, 1 Chronicles 21, Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number, uh, to number Israel. Uh, Satan deceived, tricked Eve, tricked David, tricked people. That's his job. He's always there deceiving. He's always there to lie and steal and murder and cheat, go against God. In the New Covenant, he tried to destroy Yeshua. Again, the devil took, a very high, uh, took Yeshua to a high place, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and he said, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And Yeshua said, be gone, Satan. You shall worship the Lord God and serve him only. Chapter 12, verse 9, the devil, what's he do? The great dragon was thrown down, middle of the tribulation, down to earth, cast out of heaven, who was called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world and was thrown down to the earth. And his angels were thrown down with him. Now, something's interesting here. If you're, hopefully you're catching this. I said in the future, in the tribulation period, in the middle of the tribulation period, halfway through, the devil is thrown down to earth. But someone said, wait a second. You mean that's in the tribulation period? So Satan's still in heaven? Yeah. He still has access to heaven. He still goes up there. He has his job. He goes up before God. He said, well, he can't be in God's presence. However you want to say it, he's up there. And he's causing problems for me and you. He's up there and God allows him. Till the middle of the tribulation when Michael and him war and Michael and his angels cast him down to earth. Whoa, once he's down. That's when anger. But follow along with me. Uh, he was be thrown down. See, he always deceives. That's what he does. He can't be good. He can't be. He's turned. Second Corinthians. For such men, those who oppose to Paul, are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Messiah, disguising themselves. I remember what someone once said, what does the devil look like? Well, you tell me. You've seen pictures of him. Just like you've seen pictures of Yeshua. But, uh, mean, meaningless. But what's the devil look like? Elaine Bennis, whatever. Anyway, um, what does the devil look like? Color? Red. Got a couple horns. Got a pitchfork. And you run and fl- Not at all. I saw a light. A bright, white, beautiful light. He doesn't want to scare you out if he can. He lures you in. And so even as it says, his workers disguise themselves as apostles of Messiah. And no wonder for even Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising that his servants will also be ministers, disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end it will be uh, to their deeds. You see, Satan incites God's people. Can't incite God. He incites God's people. We must oppose Satan. The Bible tells us we must resist the world. The world's pretty tempting out there, folks. More and more. The world, the flesh. What's the flesh? Me, myself, you. We tend toward bad and evil. The world tends us toward bad and evil. The devil's the master. You must resist him. What chance do we have? He's smarter than you. He knows the Bible better than you. He's wiser than you. 
What can we do? Well, we're not going to turn to it, but the book of Jacob says this. Resist the devil. How can I resist the devil? He's too strong and wise. Resist the devil and he will? You can send him on his way. He will flee from you. Draw near to God. And he will draw near to you. You have no chance against him. So what do you do? I'll tell you what to do. You make sure tomorrow morning or this afternoon that you wake up and you open a Bible and you say, God, I can't oppose him. He's too strong. Help me. Help me read your word today and every day for the rest of my life. Help me to pray today and every day for the rest of my life. Help me to obey whatever you tell me to do. Help me to worship with you and make no excuses for not being at Shuva on Saturday morning. You say, you mean I have to come to congregation? Yeah, you should. God wants you to worship with God's people. Right? That's where you should be. You have a headache? Too bad. Take two Excedrin and come. That's where you belong. That's how you resist them. Do the things that God asks you to do. And God will fight your battles. You can't defeat him. Don't try on your own. Share your faith. Obey him. And then, counsel. With who? People you respect in the Lord. People you know are godly and spiritual. Counsel. Not with a lot. A few. That's how you resist him. The devil's out to destroy us. Let me, ahead of time, let me show you his end. Matthew chapter 25. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. I'm not going to exegete this passage here. Accursed ones into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. God has prepared the lake of fire for the devil and his demons, or his, they say his angels. And for those who reject God, that's his end. So follow along here, the results of the war. There's a war in heaven. Satan and Michael are battling. And we saw who Michael is. We saw who Satan is. The results of the heavenly war. Let me summarize it in two, two things. Everyone look up here. The results of the war, believers, victory. The devil, defeat. That's it. I'd summarize the war. And Revelation 12.10 does it. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now is the salvation, the deliverance, the power, the kingdom of our God, and the authority of His Messiah have come. It's over, folks. We have more of the book to finish, but really, it's over once He gets thrown down. It's not like, God's sitting pins and needles and hope this will work out. It's over when He gets thrown down. Thrown down. And we say, Praise God. Hallelujah. We praise God for the victory. The kingdom, the victory, the blessings, the rewards. God and His Messiah brings about victory for the believers and for the lost. Verse 10, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation, that's our victory. The kingdom of God and His Messiah have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. It's over for him. He's been thrown down. He's caused a lot of problems. People who followed him, follow him into the lake of fire. The accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, and he who accuses them before our God day and night. It's a complete victory. It's a complete defeat. He's destroyed. No more deception. No more temptation. 
No more accusation. He is busy accusing us, as I said before, I'll give you a hint, right now. Remember, middle he's thrown down. So where is he now? Everyone? He's gone up and down, up and down. And you say, you're bothered by the devil. You're not important enough for him. He's working on other people. He's working on Obama. I didn't say bad about Obama. I just said he's working on Obama. He's working on Hillary. He's working on Donald. Eh, equal opportunity. He's working on Putin. He's got big, big fish to fry. The devil. But he's got access to God. But he's accusing us all the time. He accuses Job. And I love this accusation. Follow along in Job 1. But it's going on today. It went back then. It's still going on today. He hasn't been thrown down yet until the tribulation. There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before God. And Satan also. Satan in the Old Covenant. For the Lord said to Satan, where do you come from? What are you doing up here? Satan answered, I'm roaming around the earth. I'm going here and there, walking around. I'm looking at your children, and they are a joke. Your believers, those who follow you, they're a joke. And they don't deserve your grace and your goodness. And God said, have you considered Job? God picks one. Now, I, I didn't think of it. Just now I thought of it. Wouldn't it be nice if God said, have you considered David? Oh, okay, for you. Have you considered Fran? Got to use my wife. Have you considered Elsie? Wouldn't it be nice for God to be able to look at you and say, have you considered my servant? That's someone faithful. Yeah, there's weaknesses. But have you considered And God picked Job, who was one of the righteous men on the face of the earth. And, and his, his answer, he said, for there, God says, there's no one like him on the earth. Then Satan answered the Lord, says, Job, does he fear God for nothing? You, have you made a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You've blessed the works of his hands and everything. Of course, Job is faithful. You bless him with everything beautiful wife and children and homes and finances and everything's good for Job. Who wouldn't praise you? See, that's what he does. He accuses us. God says, okay, take it all away. And God allowed him to be taken away. Chapter 2, it happens again. The day came and the sons of God come to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan said, uh, Satan also came. And the Lord says, where have you come from? Deja vu or repeat. We, de- we just went through this yesterday, God. Where you come from? Well, I'm roaming around the earth. And God says, yeah, I know. You told me that yesterday. Have you considered Job? You told me to take away everything, and I did, and now he's still faithful. And Satan says, of course he's faithful, because he's got his health. As long as he's got his health, he's got everything. Have you considered... Um, uh, verse, yeah. And he said, So the Lord said, Have you considered Job? There's no one like him, turning away from evil. And he holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him. That's what that devil does. He's out to destroy you and accuse you. And it says, And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. Then God says, Okay, 
allow him sickness, but you can't take his life. And the Lord said, behold, he's in your power. See, the devil's always accusing us, folks, still today. Don't give him reason to. But Zechariah 13.1, he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. That's what Satan does. Now, the amazing thing is that I don't stand a chance. If Satan goes up to God and says, Larry, look at him. And I can picture the Lord going, well, yeah, you got a point there. No, but, but then I got a lawyer up there. I have an attorney. The Bible says Yeshua's standing there. And Satan says to God, have you considered Larry? He's a mess. And Yeshua says, I've taken care of his mess. I've done it all for him. See, he's our attorney. But the point is, the devil is the accuser of our brethren. He's always accusing us. Chapter 12, 11. And they came, they overcame him, believers overcame him, by the blood of the Lamb, by the sacrifice of Yeshua. We will overcome the devil only because of Yeshua, because of what he's done. Because of our testimony, our faith, the word of the testimony, our faith in God, and our sharing our faith. And because they did not love their lives, even death, willing to sacrifice, we can overcome. Zechariah, I'm sorry, Revelation 12, 12. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he is only a short time. You see, the devil comes down to earth. Believers, we can rejoice. The earth, you have to tremble. He's coming down to destroy we have the ultimate victory. Follow along. The evil still rises in the end of the tribulation. The evil one rises against God in the future, in the tribulation. The rage and wrath of the evil one. We get the picture, everyone. The devil in the past tried to destroy the woman and the Messiah. He lost. God delivered the Messiah. And God delivered Israel. There's a war. The war ends. We rejoice. The demons tremble and fall and come to earth. But in the future, as the tribulation periods, he's enraged. The devil lost in heaven, thrown down to earth, and he loses his mind. And he goes crazy in a sense. The rage and wrath of the evil one, chapter 12, 13. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman. This is in the future tribulation, the special persecution in the tribulation period. And he who gave birth to the child, he will attack Israel in the tribulation as he always has. And follow along verse 15. And the serpent poured water out like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with a flood. In the future, in the tribulation, when Satan is thrown down to earth, he pours out his wrath. It's like he loses his mind pours out his wrath against Israel. And he comes at Israel with a flood. Now, the commentators, some say it's water. Some say it's a flood. Some say it's like a flood. Some say it's an army coming in to destroy everything. We don't know necessarily whether it's literal or not. But at that time, when the devil comes to destroy Israel, the Bible says God will deliver his people. They will flee Jerusalem. We see the warning in Matthew 24. Therefore, Yeshua says, when you see the abomination of desolations, middle of the tribulation period, which was spoken through, uh, through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, those who are in Judea, flee, get out. Future, getting out. 
Lead of the mountains. Probably Petra. Whoever is on the housetop must go down and not get the things that are in his house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant, those who are nursing. But pray that your flight won't be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation. You see, when the devil comes against Israel, Israel will be forced to flee out of Israel. The Jewish people will be forced to flee out of Israel. And he says, flee. For there will be great tribulation such as the world had not occurred since the beginning of the world until now. And unless those days had been cut short, unless Messiah's return, everything would have been destroyed. Satan is out to destroy the world in rage. No flesh would have been saved except for the sake of the elect. So the dragon was enraged with the woman. He went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God. So in this time, he makes war against Israel and to those who hold to the testimony of Yeshua. He's enraged. And I like to think when I was reading through this, it's almost like, you remember the story with Nebuchadnezzar and uh, he had the big idol and he said, his people said, when the trumpet sounds and the trigon sounds and the harp sounds and the psalm sounds and they strike up the band, all of you fall down and worship me. Big, big statue. Everyone fall down. And so they blew it and everyone fell down except three boys. Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah. Try that one. Mishael, Shadrach, Meshach, and other Hebrew names. Anyway, the three of them wouldn't bow down. So then the officials went to Nebuchadnezzar. And they said to Nebuchadnezzar, everyone bow down except these three boys. Then it says his facial expression changed. He lost it. He snapped. He went crazy. That's what the devil is doing in the tribulation period. He loses it. He realizes nothing's good is going to happen. He's lost in heaven. Michael's embarrassed him. He's come down to earth. All things have been destroyed. So it says the dragon went off to make war with those people. He lost it completely at war with everyone. But God protects Israel. That's what we saw, the protection and the deliverance of God's people like he protected the three boys. I love this illustration, this story. Nebuchadnezzar loses his mind and he says, you are really in trouble now. Heat up the furnace seven times more than normal. Throw them into the furnace of fire. And who can deliver you from my hand? And the boys were told to worship. And he had lost his mind. But God delivered them. I love when Nebuchadnezzar says, Who can deliver you? Nobody. But they're thrown in. I always try to imagine that scene. Can you imagine that? Nebuchadnezzar gets his top generals, ties up the Hebrew boys, wrists, ankles, everything. And they're carrying them in. And they opened the furnace. And since it was heated seven times more than normal, the flames came out. That's what happens. They open the door. And all his generals, they were all burned up. And the three boys, they fell in. And they fell in. And I picture them falling in to that furnace. What's going on here? Feels a little cool. You have a jacket? Maybe it was air conditioned. And the three boys are in there. And Nebuchadnezzar in rage looks in. 
I thought we threw three in there. We did. I see four. And one's walking around like a son of man. What a great time. You know, I sure wouldn't have wanted to be carried into that furnace. I would have been, you know, I would have been pretty frightened. I'd have probably died of a heart attack before falling in. But I'll tell you, if you go through the flames with Yeshua, nothing can harm you. It brings greater blessing. And so they had a great Bible study, and Yeshua assured them, I got you covered, guys. And out they went, because God protects his people through the flames. But listen carefully to their, their message, folks. And this is what believers don't like. Nebuchadnezzar said, who will deliver you? And the boy said, God will deliver us from your hand. What else did they say? But even if he does not. We like to be delivered. But he might allow you to go through it. And so Nebuchadnezzar's was enraged. The devil's enraged against God's people. He kills many of them, martyred them in the tribulation period. 144,000 make it through. And then many, many are delivered. And they go down to what we said, flee to Petra. And so look what happens. And it says, when he, when he flees out of there, fleeing, he says, two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman. The picture of the wings of the eagle are always to protect Israel. We see it, Moses writes about it. We see it, different descriptions. God sweeps down like an eagle and carries his people. He brings them to safety. And he says, he, uh, the two wings of an eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place. We already looked at that. Probably they left Israel and they went down to Petra or Basra so they could fly into the wilderness where she was nurtured for how long, everyone? Times, one, times, two more, and a half a time. I think we know that time, times, and a half a time means three and a half years, means 42 months, means 1,260 days. And that was the confirmation on that phone. And so that's what it does. It's three and a half years. Now, if you're confused, well, 1,260 days doesn't equal three and a half years. Yes, it does. The Jewish calendar was 30, month, uh, 30 days in a month. That's what it is. So it's 42 months. So he has a time for them to be rescued from the presence of the serpent. Now, we don't know if the earth, it says um, in verse 16, but the earth helped the woman and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river, which the dragon poured out of his mouth. Now, we don't know in the future if when the Jewish people are flo- uh, flooding out of Jerusalem and they're coming in with either with a literal flood or an armies to destroy them, we don't know if literally the ground opens up and swallows them. It says, maybe. We're not sure. There's all kinds of different interpretations. Or it could mean that God protected them in the terrain in Israel, just like when Saul was trying to kill David. David knew where to hide. The ground, the natural terrain in Israel protected him. He knew the caves, the nooks, the crannies, and where to go. Could be that. Or God could open the earth. We see God does things like that. Numbers chapter 16. 
As he finished speaking all these words, Moses, the ground that was under them split open and the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed them up. All those who rebelled against Moses at the, uh, <clears throat> at the rebellion of what they called Korah and they all went against Moses. Moses said, ground's going to open up. Ground opened up and swallowed them. It could be the tribulation. We don't know. It's hard to figure out those details. We don't know if the ground opens up and swallows them up, the water or the flood or the enemies. We don't know like Elijah. They came after Elijah. What did he do? He called fire down from heaven. We don't know. Jewish people passing through the sea got open the sea. Then the Egyptians came in and God closed the sea. The point is God is going to deliver his people at this time as they flee out of Jerusalem in the tribulation period. They're going to flee from that. God will deliver us. God delivers us. Our answer must be like we said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He will deliver you and me. But even if he doesn't, we're not going to serve the gods of this world because ultimate victory belongs to God. The great picture of that is found in that book of the uh, chapter of faith. And the writer to the Hebrews says this in 1133. These people, these men who by faith conquered kingdoms, they stood strong for God and God used them to deliver them and destroy kingdoms. They performed acts of righteousness. They obtained promises. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David. They shut the mouths of lions. People by faith stood for God and they shut the mouths of lions. Who did that? Shut the mouths of lions? I don't think so. Daniel. David killed a lion. Well, he might have shut his mouth too, but we don't know. I think it's probably Daniel in the pit. Hungry, ravenous lions. Kept hungry to destroy people. And they throw Daniel in there. And I just, I love that picture. Daniel's in there. And I wonder if the lion came up and <laughs> smells different. Then the lion yawns. And he sees his teeth. Then the lion. I wonder when Daniel felt safe. But I do know the next morning when the king came, Darius came. Daniel, has your God saved you from the lions? Daniel says, O king, God has sent his angel, probably Yeshua, to shut the mouths of lions because he saw that I was innocent. See, God can shut the mouths of lions, deliver you. Look what else it says they did. Shut the mouths of lions, quench the power of the fire. There my boys are. You know, I like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The power of the... Nothing. I just love when they came out. It says they didn't even smell from smoke. It's so ridiculous, impossible. From weakness, they were made strong, became mighty in war, and foreign uh, armies were to flight. You see, God can deliver you. He will deliver Israel in the tribulation. He can deliver you and me from our troubles. And many times he does. But even if he does not. Look what that says. And others were experienced mockings and scourging, chains and imprisonment, 
They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were tempted. They were uh, put to death with a sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. And these having gained approval through their faith. Even if he does not. Everyone, chapter 12. Satan is at war with God and his people. God uses Messiah and Israel for his purposes and plan. Satan comes to destroy Israel and the Messiah. Satan declares war in heaven against all of us in the future, in the past, and folks, today. He's waging war against you all the time. But here, God delivers his people. He calls you and I to be found faithful. Write these things if you can. God will deliver, bless, and reward his people. I want you to get that. God will deliver, reward, and bless you for faithfulness. Two, God will bring down Satan and all evil. They can't resist God. They fit into his plan. God, three, is our defense, security, and confidence. And four, God will establish his kingdom and he will rule on this earth with his children. The book of Revelation is an encouragement and hope to believers who go through the persecution of Rome, who go through the persecution of life, who go through the persecution of the tribulation period, that the ultimate victory is God's. So as the evil one declares war on God's plans and people, Believers are called to be faithful and encouraged that ultimately, ultimate victory belongs to us. God calls you and I to put our trust in Messiah, live our lives for Him. That's what matters. That's what counts. Father God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You, even though the evil one rises up against You, Your people, Your saints, ultimate victory belongs to us. You delivered Messiah. You delivered Israel. You will deliver Israel. You will deliver us. But we have to make a choice. Do we want to follow the world? Or do we want to believe in Yeshua as our hope and our Messiah? We ask there might be someone today who says, I believe Yeshua is the Messiah. I want him as my Messiah and Savior. I now want to receive him into my heart and my life. And I put my trust in him. And I look forward to when I see you. And we have the ultimate victory. And we experience your presence for all eternity. We ask all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Next week, Jewish holiday. Shavuot. We'll learn about... Now wait. You know, Messianic Christ, there's Jews and Gentiles. I say Shavuot. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. If I said Pentecost, some of you would know what I'm talking about. They're one and the same. It's a Jewish holiday. We'll find out about it. And then the following week, we'll learn about Revelation 13, the unholy trinity. Let's all stand together as we conclude with a word of prayer.